just because something's a quid doesn't mean you need to say it. it's not a great value and b it tastes great it doesn't it, it's like right. oh it's only a quid i won't put that much effort you just need to put the same effort and it's something that's 50p and a quid as you do to something that's a fiver and then you can you can get great innovation because great innovation to your customer just means they've got the right price point the best product that they were looking for because we knew they were looking for it and it tastes amazing and they come back and buy it that that to me is great innovation so welcome to another episode of the innovate podcast the show where we uh, dissect and uh, and rebuild the world of product innovation uh, within consumer goods uh, today i'm delighted to be joined by uh, David Lennox, uh, product innovation legend, worked for multiple retailers in the uh, the UK food and drink scene, uh, chef extraordinaire, fellow lover of craft beer. Welcome to the Innovate podcast, David. Uh, how are you today? I'm very well. Thanks for that introduction, Ben. Uh, you were only right about one thing on that list, and that and that was fellow lover of craft beer. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so, good to be here. Thanks for having me. No, no, our, our pleasure. So, um, in that case, just tell us a little bit about yourself for the for the listeners first of all, so they know who you are, what your background is, and how you've got to where you are today. Uh, who, who am I? So, um, I, I, I'm a chef. That's kind of basically yeah. I, I always wanted to be a chef, and I started in a local restaurant, and I always wanted to work in Michelin. So I was lucky enough to kind of be in a, a team that um, got a Michelin star. When I was in, well, I think I was nineteen twenty, and um, right, well, yeah. first eight months I was there. Um, so I, I worked in some really shadows. Uh, I had the, an opportunity to open my own restaurant, which I did for six years, and we got really good critical acclaim. And then I kind of found myself in development. Um, a few of my friends were in it, or colleagues that I'd worked with in the past, and I sort of semi kept in touch with them. So. It kind of intrigued me a bit, and then I was lucky enough. I went to Bacavor, and from Bacavor, I got the opportunity to go to Waitrose, and from Waitrose, I met a lovely man called Neil Nugent, um, and he took me to Morrison's, and then from Morrison's, I had the opportunity once um, after about four years to to come to Iceland. So, and that's the short, sharp story. Awesome, um, very impressive. <laughs> luck more than judgment, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so just to kind of get into the groove, we're going to, we'll do some rapid fire questions before we get into the, uh, the main topic of, of, of innovation. So you've, um, you know, you know, the UK food market very well. What, what would you say is your favorite town or city in the UK for, uh, for food from an eating out perspective? Right. I, I, you know, we were in London last week and London's amazing, but I have to say, uh, you know, my favorite place at the moment is Manchester. You know, gone right. are the days where you need to go to London to see everything. I mean, it, it, it's so diverse there. You know, from from if you want you know, from the Brewskies, if you want an amazing burger, from Mackie Mayers to um, Escape to Freight Island to Erst, which is amazing district, which does kind of modern Thai, which I went to a few weeks ago, which was which was unbelievable. And then you've obviously got Mana came in and, and got a star there, which I think was just what they kind of needed. But I mean, the place and Dussie, um, Dussie Warehouse, and I mean, there's there's just there's amazing places to go. You can't walk down the street without having a good restaurant next year somewhere to go. And there may be a reason why Brad Carter opened in Manchester with his um, one star kebab because just the diversity is there, you know. So uh, Manchester yeah. is definitely my firm favourite at the moment. 
but and, and it does help that I only live 20 minutes away from it <laughs> so yeah that's true it's kind of that's easy true. to get to <laughs> that's true as, as a fellow Mancunian, i would very much endorse that as well um at the moment um so what what tell us what would your your death row meal be your your final meal yeah that's that's a that's a really really difficult one that's a really difficult one um but actually, I, I, I kind of thought, and, I, and I've been asked this question before, um, it'd definitely be bread and butter to start, without a shadow of a doubt. Just bread and butter and with some grilled langoustines out of Loch Lenny. It sounds like I'm going to be very chefy at the moment. There is a second answer <laughs> to this. Um, and I was lucky enough to go to Paul Bacus and meet him before he passed away, sadly. But... Right. Um, the, the, there's a there's a um, pulley bressy on vessi which means it's cooked in a pig's bladder and it's a very classic escoffier but they serve it with a sauce with morels and they bone it out at the table and everything else and it's just mind-blowing in flavor right it just so right. i'd have that and i would finish with um a raspberry creme brulee but not your typical raspberry creme brulee there's um i used to work in a place up in the highlands of scotland and there was a lady there called miss shaw Years before we went, she ran the house um, in the 70s. And she had this recipe for a stovetop creme brulee. So you don't put it in the oven. You cook it to 80 degrees on the top of the stove. It's rammed fully egg yolks. You use frozen right. raspberries, and then you pour it over, and then you grill it with um, demerara. And it is wow. just the most indulgent um, thing in the world. So that, that would be my chefy answer. And, and, and my <laughs> second slash answer to that would be, and do not judge me, is a straw a raspberry jam and cheese sandwich on crap white bread. <laughs> Don't judge me. Don't judge me. It's just it's it's kind of it's one of those things that I ate when I was younger. You know, and people talk about sugar sandwiches and all that kind of stuff. Oh, we had sugar sandwiches because we couldn't afford it and everything else. We had raspberry jam and cheese and it was just you think about it, cheese and chutney, it's quite similar. But yeah, um let's just say uh I've had people go, What? Raspberry jam and cheese. But it's delicious. Don't knock it till you tried it. I, I intend to not try it. I'm, I'm trying not to judge you as well. But yeah, awesome. Um, so on a sort of segueing towards the, um, the 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 main topic, what would you say, or what do you say to to you know young people when they kind of speak to you about joining the food industry? I guess kind of will concentrate on on product development rather than rather yeah. than chefing. Well, to be uh, and that's a real that's that is a really good question. So. No one tells you about product development when you want to become a chef. You know, sure. it's just not out there. You know, and I think we touched on it when we did them um, when we did the last thing with Emma and and Bill and the rest yeah. of them. It, it, it's it's we've got to get grassroots in there, and you know, it's great getting the experience. And and if you want to become a chef, then please do. But you've got to be committed, and you've got to be prepared to miss birthdays, weddings, bar mitzvahs any sort of family occasion you're going to miss at least 90 percent of them because you won't be right. getting the saturday night off i mean luckily that's changing but you just uh, to get young to get young guys who want to be chefs get your experience and then and then but but we need to educate like the where people are getting trained and the colleges to go well this is an, this is another option and, and feed into that rather than just go oh well you become a chef and then we'll we'll speak to you when you're 30 and, and when you've got your experience, well, actually, if you give them that goal at the start, they can get their experience and then they'll come in. Um, but yeah, I, my advice would be just 
get get to college make sure you want to do it and then and then ask the questions phone up the, the, the there's lots of manufacturers and retailers out there just send your cv in and 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 you'll yeah. get in but get your experience for get at least some experience in restaurants first because that will right. set you up um for the road ahead and and if you hadn't gone down the the, the kind of the chefing and, and and food industry direction david where do you think you would have um loved to spend your career mm. That is a that that is that is something I have dreamed about um on on many occasions. If I hadn't, so I was lucky. I I knew what I wanted to do, or I had in my head. I don't know how to do it, but I, um I knew how I knew I wanted to do it. So I used to spend my evenings and every available moment with a sketch pad in front of me, um uh-huh. and and I'd just sit there in my room sketching um comic books and 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 doing still lives right. and and awesome. I so that. I, that was kind of that was my dream when I was younger was to kind of go into um what do you call it uh comic book animation and stuff like that was that was oh, right, right. Okay. That, that was that was my direction and I wanted to go to art school and uh, but then right. for whatever reason the chef and bug kind of took over and right I kind of um I, I have long since given up drawing and painting but luckily uh, my eldest daughter who's only six has taken on that and she sits there with a sketch pad all day long and crafting and everything else so i think i passed something oh, on there so i try and i, I try oh, and encourage good. it other than when the glue very goes good. everywhere but never mind <laughs> <laughs> glittery I, I glue i did not know that about you all right uh, very good um so we're going to move on to the main uh, the main topic of, uh, of of innovation now we're going to you know kind of pick apart some of the uh, the challenges that the industry is facing and, and then try and you know, visualize what it what it could look like in in a few years from now. What what innovation as a practice needs to do to be kind of you know fit for the current challenges that we uh, yeah. that we face ourselves in. So, um, if you had to score the the UK food and drink innovation sector, I guess for for an impact of of you know the the, the output, what score would you give it out of ten and and why? Um, I'd give it eight. I'd I'd give it a high eight, if not approaching okay. on nine, because I think. I think we, the food and um, the innovation. We obviously had the the COVID word, um, and that did put a stop to a lot of it. But I think after that, I think a lot of retailers have came back really, really strong, really strong. Uh-huh. But in the same vein as they've always kind of done, um, and then we HFSS coupled on top of that, and then the the prices going up and everyone else and everybody getting the CPI challenge and and all that. But I, I genuinely do think they've came back quite strong. And there's some great right. new products out there in different retailers, which which is great. Not least of all us, to be fair, you know. But um, right, uh, and you know, and I'm not going to blow my own trumpet around like that with some of the brands and stuff we do and, and some of the and some of the products. But I, I genuinely think for having that blocker for two years and then coming back, I think some of the retailers have done an amazing job to kind of make up lost ground. But you know, that that's just my personal opinion on it. I think there's a lot more to do. And yeah, yeah, we're, I'm probably being kind on because I'm in that sector. I'm probably being yeah. very kind where we're we're high eight nine. But I just think if you take everything into consideration, I think that especially this summer, I think everybody's quite a lot of them have came back really, really strong, really strong. And I'm not going to name any names. Okay. No, interesting. Well, what, so what what do you think the the um, the industry could do a bit better from an innovation perspective? You've scored it eight, which is very interesting. Yeah. But, Hopefully, there's always room for improvement. What, what sort of? Yeah, no, there you know, is. What, there is. What prices do you see that you think could be improved? Um, 
I, I, you know, and I, and I am a great believer in this. I, I genuinely, genuinely think. I think I don't think, I don't think everybody's listening to the customer. I think they're listening to themselves. And you know, right. we deal and we watch a lot of trends and we look at a lot of trends and and it's how you decipher those trends and and where you see, you know, you, you don't just look at a nice spreadsheet or a nice um email from any of the trend suppliers and go, oh look, there's 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 Filipino. Um, belly pork we should do that well actually can you sell yeah. filipino belly pork can you do ubi yeah. ice cream probably not but so you know i think you just really need to listen to your customer and the insight um and decipher it right for your business if you don't then I, you're just doing it for vanity and you're doing it because you can tell you, you're the fellow developers and buyers you can go well i launched this but it took five grand and got delisted so yeah, yeah. It, it, it's that but I, what, what do i think they could do better i think i really do think they need to listen to customers um customers okay. first and foremost that would be my that would be my kind of comment on that i think we okay. i think we all could do that a lot better okay and and so as an industry we've we've kind of well not as an industry everybody now really we've learned from covid uh, HFSS was specific to food and drink, but we're now kind of um, onto the cost of living crisis. How, how do you think the the next kind of six to twelve months are likely to impact innovation? Given we are in what looks like either a recession or a period of very high inflation and and, and financial concerns for many families. Um, I think I, I think it, and this is just me personally and, and sort of my my attitude towards it and what I try and kind of impart on the guys that work for me is we can we can let it hamper us if if we want or we can actually find a way because if some and i'll explain this in kind of simple terms and and, I, and i've always kind of said it just because something's a quid doesn't mean you need to say it. it's not a great value and b it tastes great it doesn't it, it's like right. oh it's only a quid i won't put that much effort you just need to put the same effort and it's something that's 50p and a quid as you do to something that's a fiver and then you can you can get great innovation because great innovation to your customer just means they've got the right price point the best product that they were looking for because we knew they were looking for it and it tastes amazing and they come back and buy it that that to me is great innovation um so i think we can we can focus and it's going to be tough for everybody uh, and it's not just the lower bracket it's going to be tough for across the whole spectrum so i think really yep. as a as a team in here and, and i can only speak for this team but i think in general everybody just needs to look at it's the opportunity to be innovate uh, to be innovative rather than go oh no we have to take 10p off that or we need to take 20p off that well how do we get to the same product by not having that 20p to spend is the challenge right. to kind of guys like me and, and other teams around the country and retailers and the manufacturer. It's it's for us to step up and go, right, how are we going to do it? How are we going to make sure the customers get the same price, the same great product, and they're really blown away and they want to come back and buy it? Because everybody's going to have to make choices in the next six months about what they buy. You know, and, and yeah. for us as a retailer, it's, you know, and in some of our demographic, it's going to be the choice of turning the lights on turning the oven on or turning the heating on you know and that is the barefaced you know facts of it you know not yeah. everybody's got the luxury of that so for us we just really need to make sure we're getting the value in there it's still great products and it still tastes great that's kind of the mantra that's running through this place at the moment right okay and is, is there likely to be some tension between you know you, you from an innovation and product development perspective versus the, the the buyers who are kind of in control of the range and maybe likely to be a bit more kind of conservative and just trying to control cost do you think or is everybody very much in the same boat at iceland at the moment 
I think I think with with the leadership team here, everybody's in the same boat. To be fair, I think okay. you know that uh, Iceland is, itself has 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 been kind of at the forefront of Frozen for many years, and you know ups and downs yeah. and ups and downs. But actually, you know, we know that innovation sells, the right innovation sells. So we know that if you're gonna do some, I mean, we we may kind of. And it, 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 it's sort of, and I've, I've spoken about it before, it's the bullseye product. So we, we try and develop bullseye products. We don't always get it right. But as long as we're in that bullseye or just round the bullseye, we, we know we're going to do it. So we never, we haven't, we haven't got 11,000 SKUs to kind of fill a whole big supermarket. We're, we're a lot more tighter than that. So actually, I suppose in that case, we're, we've got the luxury of just going after the big hitters, if you want to call it that. And we don't have right. to worry about the stuff that's going to be the tail. Okay, that's that's probably the best way I can describe it. Okay, and do, do you, um, you know, kind of reflecting on on life at Iceland, is it easier to be a bit uh, ballsier, for want of a better description, in in frozen than it is in chilled in terms of innovation? I mean, you just the obvious thing. You've got you know a year, two years to sell through things. So if you don't get it quite right, you, it's it's not well, quite as dramatic as in chilled. Or is that is that too blunt an assessment? No, no, I, I think that's, um, I think that's a great assessment to be fair, because you know, I, I, I work primarily, and I did a bit of frozen before I came to Iceland, but I work primarily in own labeling chilled, and and own labeling chilled and other retailers can be quite ballsy, but you've always mm-hmm. got the shrink and the and then uh, you've only got a week to sell it and or two weeks to sell it depending on the product. So actually, we frozen. The luxury is we haven't got two weeks to sell it. We've got nine months of it's got bacon. We've got a year if it's if it's angry so we actually we we've got we can be a little bit ballsy and we can go well actually we can take a punt on this product we all believe in it yeah. it might not be quite bullseye but yeah no i, I, I mean i wouldn't I, i'll be honest for me i wouldn't really like to be in chilled at the moment because I, I think it's it's, right. it's tough out there and and people aren't spending as much money and especially in the next six months they're not going to be spending as much money so i think for me that kind of that ballsiness we can still we can still grab that and not let go of it is, is probably right. the, okay. my, my best answer for that one. Okay. Interesting. How, how do you uh, either kind of personally or as a business sort of assess the level of risk within individual pieces of MPD whilst, whilst still developing them? How, do, you, do you kind of think, right, this is, this is pretty high risk, but might be spectacular versus probably low risk, but not going to kind of uh, really change the category. The dynamics. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, uh, that seems like a simple question, and it is a simple question. But um, so we've got a, we, the, there's a whole matrix of what we'd like to go after and what we'd like to hold and what we'd like to kind of keep, if that makes any sense. So it's almost like a red, amber, red, amber, green. You know, go mm-hmm. after that in green, amber, stay still. Red, mm, we're not. You know, we'll kind of we'll just we'll shrink that and and make it work harder. Um, so luckily, luckily, and I've spoke about our, our customer and it, when we go in and, and we're signing off products and we're looking at products, everybody's kind of on the same page, which is really good, you know, and everybody's getting used to going, mm, yeah, are we going to do that product? It's a bit of a wild card. Mm, it's not really right for this time. doesn't mean it's saying we won't right. do it, but we kind of uh, sitting around the table and one more sign and and the people who sign it off, which is me and my boss, and then ultimately the board and everyone else, everybody's got quite a similar mindset and they kind of know what will sell and what won't. Right. But the wild cards and everyone else, sometimes, you know, because we're frozen, we can take a punt on it. But it, it is that bullseye. It's that it's it's that bullseye mentality 
and that's the that's the best way I can describe it. So yeah, um, we're, we're staying. It's not the case we're going to turn into a risk averse business because that's never going to happen. To be right, fair, okay, okay, and and in this current kind of climate of of inflation, which is obviously pressuring the the supply base as well as well as uh, you guys and the and the consumers, are, are you seeing manufacturers being a little bit more cautious in the the type of stuff that they're coming to you with, or are they you know kind of still still feeling confident when it comes to launching MPD with Iceland? Um, that's a good question, and and I think it depends on what category you're talking about. To be fair, right? Um, and 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 how and how the categories have performed, and I think that question could, for me could be answered in two. If the category's not performing, then we either go after it, or the supplier will come in, and 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 they probably will be a little bit safer. But that's for right. us to kind of try and work out and go, well, actually, we don't want to be safe in this category. We need to kind of get it back to where it was if, it's, if it hasn't been performing. So we'll look at it as a category by category basis. Um, but we're definitely not trying to be, um, or I, I, to answer your question, I'm, I'm, not, um, I'm not seeing a, a level of, oh, well, we're only seeing very safe products. You know, and, right. and we go out, we, we, we physically go out and kind of, it's a better, it's, so I've, I've had the, I've had the, I've had the pleasure of working at other retailers and and you and and the manufacturing. So we used to we used to get the brief, decipher it when we're in manufacturing, and then go in with the ideas. Whereas here, we almost give them lists of ideas that we've already that we want. So they're coming in with stuff right. that we've asked for anyway, um, and okay. then they obviously put their interpretation on it. So that that's that. In in key areas, that's kind of what we do. That's kind of what we do. Right. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. Um. And what what from a um. A kind of a behaviors perspective i guess in terms of how you develop products what 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 sort of things or what one thing do you do differently now than when you started at back of all 15 years ago See, that, that, right. that is, that is yes. a really good question and, and i probably i probably answered it in a, in a in a way before but um this is going to sound really crap and i'm sorry for the trends people and some of them are my very dear friends um so <laughs> So we, I, I used to look at trends and look at what's happening, you know, in these trends and go, right, we have to do that. That sounds amazing. We have to do that. When actually the guys who are giving you the trends aren't telling you to do it. They're just telling you what's mm -hmm. going on in the world. And I think mm -hmm. I fell into the trap of going, oh, my God, it's on a, it's, it's on a, it's on this, this email and, and we have to do it because everybody's going to do it. Well, actually, we don't have to do it. You don't have to do it. You don't have to go away and go, right, we're going to do a Filipino belly port or we're going to go away and do um, a Korean Calbi. Or, you just don't have to do it. What you have to do is go, right, well, that's happening there. That's happening there. But what what are people buying? What's happening in the high street? What what are we seeing? This, right. And what have we seen in previous years? You know, And, mm -hmm. and we've had presentations from... We're lucky enough, I, I keep in touch with um, the suppliers of the manufacturers um, and we had one in yeah. um, newlyweds uh, a couple of weeks ago and they did an amazing presentation and they, they showed us one or two left field but they showed us bang on what's what they think is going to happen in the next 12 months and, right. and to be fair they were they were more right than wrong uh, in my opinion and then right. they gave us some real food for thought so yeah it was um yeah <laughs> it's uh it's it's okay. a bit of a weird one, but so I suppose what I think now is I don't chase after the the dream. I'd rather be a little okay. bit more realistic and go listen to customer and 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 you know you know I'm a big fan and an advocate of Viper, so that mm -hmm. 
tool in itself is is invaluable for me you know and it's the, it's one of the first things i ask is what the customers want you know whether it's on yeah. a simple mince pie top or it's on a ready meal or a meat joint that we're going to do that, that's got a 15 20 quid price tag on we've got to get that yeah. info and make sure it's the right for the so it's it's listening to the customer much more than ever listen to a developer in a head office somewhere going we have to do this because i ate it yeah. two weeks ago yeah. with my best friend like okay that's yeah, really yeah. You know, so that uh, yeah, probably not the best explanation, and about where no, we. No, no, yeah. yeah, yeah, I get it. No, I get it. It's it's not vanity. It's definitely customer. It's definitely customer. Yeah. Okay. And it's and what do I do it, very differently now. Right. Okay. And do, do you see much evidence of a um is is the development process very different to when you first started, or is it or is it broadly the same set of steps that that you know not not you guys particularly, but the the sector is going through when they're developing products. Right. Um, the, the, the process and packaging team are going to hate me for this comment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're, everybody's still doing staging gate. And I, and I know Bill will kind of, um, you know, and, and actually listening to Bill the last time and we were together was kind of, it made me smile and, and jump for joy so much because manufacturing has adopted this staging gate and retailers have adopted this staging gate, but it's so it's so kind of entrenched in times and everyone else. So it makes mm -hmm. it, it's almost like wading through swamp just to get to the end of it. And right. that to me, I think we're still doing that. And I, and, I, and I think if we, I mean, I don't know what the answer is to be fair. I, you know, I'm a chef who comes up with ideas basically and, and kind of manages this place, but getting, getting the process much more slicker and, and more able to bend and more, agile rather than go we have to hit gate one at this time we have to get gate two at this time we have to and if you don't hit gate three you're not going to launch but it's still at best 42 45 weeks long which yeah. is in my eyes is way way too long to do stuff you know the, yeah. the likes of um the likes of albert hein and I, I spoke about this they they do a month they do they've got a four-week program where they launch they see stuff on the first and it's launched by the end of the month and they right. put a team on that. I mean, that's just, I mean, yeah, the packaging has to be simple and, and the products kind of have to be ready, but any retail that can launch stuff in four weeks is just amazing. And, and yeah. I just think that's kind of what we're doing wrong. We're still doing the same thing that we did when I joined the industry 15, 12, 15 years ago. Right, Nothing's okay. really moved okay. on. Okay, interesting. So you're, you're referring to Bill Hart there, who's a very big advocate of agile development processes and yeah he came off the agile innovation book with me so um yeah there's a, there's a definite uh, definite opportunity for that that kind of um flexibility i think in terms of uh, in terms yeah. of process i think there's, yeah. there's a personally i think there's a there's a role for stage gate for sure with certain types of product development but i think the albertine example is is very good at times you need yeah. to react very quickly and get things to market very quickly yeah, yeah. And, and i think if if you don't if you don't hit the zeitgeist and the idea a year before which is very difficult to do in anybody's mindset um you kind of missed the boat a little bit so i think mm -hmm. being able to react a lot quicker and land stuff a lot quicker um will help innovation because you you're not going oh well it's going to take a year before you do it well actually if yeah. you could launch it test it get it out there and go well actually it worked it didn't work get it back what's the next thing what can we do that's going to that's going to kind of land and be yeah. successful with customers 
So th- thinking forward three, four, five years, something like that, assuming that you're still working in the in the industry, what, what you know, if you were in, in <laughs> you know in, in, in full control of um, how how a retailer would develop products, what what do you think? What's going to be different in a few years' time in terms of uh, in terms of process, in terms of technology, in terms of in terms of output within innovation? Well. It's funny. So that question is, is kind of. I laughed at first, and I thought, "Oh my god, I'm, I'm kind of hoping I'm. I, what am I hoping? I'm, I'm hoping I'm in, in the in the Shetland Islands on a farm somewhere, retired. But that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> Living a very simple life. Um, that's definitely not going to happen. Um, but yeah, that, yeah, it does have. It, I mean, I do love the west coast and right up the north of Scotland. I think it's an amazing place and I'm lucky enough to spend some time there. But um, what do you think is going to happen? If I, if I was in control of it, I, I think platforms are massively going to... This is just my opinion. I think platforms are massively going to change. I think they are changing. I think mm-hmm. the, the era of the massive hyper store is kind of gone. I think people will... Even in even in the bricks and mortar, I think there'll be other there'll be more and more channels coming out of that with the likes of Uber getting on board mm-hmm. and, and, and and you know getting in there the the online the sh- I think shopping goes going to shrink, and I think if if you're not ready and you're not on that kind of platform, I think you're going to struggle. But um, I think technology. You just look at the uh, the vegan um, category. I mean, they're doing amazing things there every six months. And I really, yeah. th- and once, and once the other categories wake up to that, because you look at a burger, a normal burger, it's been probably been put through a VMAG for since VMAGs were invented, and it's probably been through through a multiplayer. Is there other ways to do that more successfully? It, you know, there's got to be other ways. Pizza's kind of made in the same way, and maybe pizza needs to be made in the same way. But you know, there, there's, I think the 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 industry and especially the manufacturers, because the retailers don't really have any say over what investment they can um, manufacturers put into yeah but i really do do think that you could they could other sectors could really do we looking at um could looking at vegan just to kind of say well how are these guys doing changing every six months and and moving forward and finding new technologies why can't we you know so i think that's one small aspect of it i think platforms will change i think gone are the days of the massive big store and I, and I think people are getting more savvy about shopping online. And I think online, I, although we've seen a, a little drop in online, um, but nowhere back to we're still way above where we were post COVID. But I just think right. um, people, I think people are getting more savvy and more. I mean, how many Amazon boxes do you get in a week? You know, I had, too many. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I had two last night, and I've got another two coming today. It's just, yeah. getting, I mean, this has changed everything. You know, you sure. can kind of just do what you, you can get what you want when you want. I think the age of convenience is massively going to, um, it, I think, it'll massively uh, increase because I think people are losing time. They haven't got as much money. And they, I mean, this will help them check prices instantly. Yeah. You know, rather yeah. than having to drive to a, a Morrison's, an Aldi, a Lidl, a Tesco, or wherever they, they shop, they just go online and just do it there, you know, and, and right. then they'll go. I think, I think it, but, Convenience definitely for me and, and different platforms is is probably what I see in the next five years. Right. Okay. Yeah, I think the the, the plant based market is fascinating actually because they, they are highly R and D and and scientific led in terms of their their you know equivalent of innovation. So that you know, yeah, it's a lot of kind of manufacturing and process innovation as opposed to products iteration and packaging iteration. I think yeah. there's a lot that the the rest of the sector can learn from uh, from plant based at the moment. Definitely. I mean, if you look back in the last 
probably 10 years, you know, packaging's relatively the same. It, yeah. You know, ready meals pack. I mean, there's a, there's a few nice packaging, um, you know, in some different brands and stuff. But when you look at it, it's still PET. It's still foam sealed. It's still you still put it in the microwave or you put it in the oven. There's just, it's yeah. just been the same for such a long time. Um, yeah. You know, burgers still look the same. They may have a different card and sleeve on it, but they don't look any different. You know, it is yeah. that alliteration of the same thing. And there's that old adage, the same thinking gets the same results, which is a paraphrase from something else. And it's basically yeah. just a circular, secular thing. You know, well, I suppose yeah. if you invest 10 million in a factory and it can only do that, you're not going to change it two years later. To do something else, yeah. are you? Uh, yeah, you know I mean? absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, but, um, yeah, yeah. Okay, and and yeah, that that's one of the, the the kind of the main principles of agile is that the manufacturing part of the sector is in in many ways too uh, is lacking the flexibility to kind of be completely yeah. agile because as you say, if you've you've spent ten million quid kind of um you know producing products in a certain way in a certain shape at a certain speed etc you're not going to be able to just bin all that and pivot and and, and change so that 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 is it, it's one of the kind of the uh the elements of rigidity should we say i think in the supply chain that could well know. i think there isn't i think i think that came from maybe 10 15 years ago or whenever it was and you look at i mean there there was there's there's a, a manufacturer who I, I did some work with and uh, and i've got some amazing friends there and everyone else but they built the biggest sandwich factory in the uk right and they spent X amount of money and they put hairdressers and a gem in it. And it, was an, it is an amazing site, but it does skillet sandwiches and it doesn't really yeah. do much else. And I'm thinking, spent yeah. all that money and that's the only thing you can kind of do. It just, um, yeah. 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 It, um, it's like, why not have some diversity in there? And why not have some? But I mean, it's way before my time. But I just think that's a really good example of where yeah. retail was at. They wanted bigger and bigger and bigger to service growing retailers and they needed that yeah. but it, there's no flexibility and no agileness in there which i i, I really yeah, yeah. think we, we need to look at in the future but yeah yeah sure. that was a, that was a very long answer for a very short question no, no. <laughs> very interesting uh let's just talk, talk products uh for a minute or two what i guess kind of a, a negative example and a positive example so what, what's been your biggest kind of um uh, disappointing or frustrating product launch in the last couple of years and what what did you learn from it i guess See, that's a really, that is a really difficult question. Um, I'm making the assumption that there have be been honest, disappointing that... product launches. No, <laughs> you, you... no. Um, actually, do you know some? And this is going to sound, and uh, you know, and uh, it'll be easy to tell the retailer. But, but the biggest, I, I, I was really proud of this product, and my boss at the time was very proud of this product as well. But. Uh-huh. It, um, I worked for the man. I, I partly worked for the manufacturer and the retailer, and it was it was a Heston project uh, product, right. and we 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 wanted to do this um, ponzu dressing and a vanilla mayonnaise, and and we're like, and, and this kind of goes back to we were listening to ourselves rather than listening to customers. Right. So we made it. It tasted amazing. We we went through the whole development, got Heston to sign it off, and it was amazing. We were putting cayenne to add a little bit of savouriness, and we did the ponzu, and we. We shipped in fresh, fresh frozen yuzu from Japan, and um, right. they tasted, wow. the, the, the two products tasted amazing. We were like, "Oh my god, that's amazing!" It sold nothing. It had something right. like a three hundred percent minus three hundred. But so basically, we they had to make the main. For instance, they had to make hundred tons, or a, 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 well, not hundred tons. They had to make um, 
three ton batches in the Corona to make the mayonnaise or whatever it was. Right. Okay. And um, they were they were only bottling half of that. So that other half right. of that mayonnaise basically went in the bin, and then they put it on shelf. And to be fair, no one told anybody about it. Um, and right. it sold. Does in fact, I, I I don't even think it sold. I think it sold about twenty dirty products. Really? <laughs> yeah, it was ridiculous. It was right. so. That was probably my most disappointing um, time because right. we were we we were like, oh my god, this is anything, and you know, and I will mention him, Mister Nugent, uh, Mister Neil Nugent, and and we did it, and, and we were like, oh my god, these are amazing. These are just these are the best dressings and the best mayonnaise anybody will ever do, and it sold nothing. Right. So that is definitely my 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 most disappointing thing. Right, okay. So okay. not not everything not not everything that glitters is gold. To put it that way. Yeah, yeah. And and then conversely, what what's the best product launch that you've seen? And in, in, doesn't have to be in Iceland, but in, in in the market over the last year or two, what's the thing that you've seen or been responsible for and thought, yeah, that's that's really 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 impressive. Mm. That is um that is a tricky one because there's lots of great products out there. There's there there is a ton of great products. Um. I probably the, the one I'm really actually and and I could I could I could ream off a dozen products. There's some products I ate um from M and S um the yeah. other week there that um a, a, a guy I know developed them and they were amazing, James. Um and they were they were stunning. They, the the flavours were just nailed. Um price was a bit pricey, but you know, amazing, amazing products. But actually the one I'm I'm really most proud of, um and and it's about longevity and, and that kind of thing. Oh, mm-hmm. there's two actually. I'm, I'm, I, there's one really simple one, and it's still in. I shouldn't really say it, but it's still in a retailer now after ten years, still on shelf. And right, I'm thinking, right. oh my god, right. it's still there. And I keep looking at the back of the pack, and they haven't changed it. Still there. It's a simple salad, and it keeps coming back every year. And I'm, I'm me right. and, and a dear friend of mine developed it. And it, that I, I, every time I go in that certain retailer, it's got an orange door. That's probably the best way I can describe it. Um, right. So I kind of go in there. But for me, in the last, so we developed, so every, we were putting miso in burgers and we were like, oh, so um, I got challenged with finding what's the next miso. So there's a thing in Japan called, um, it's translated, to, or the nickname is Tasty Paste, which is Shiokoji. And Shiokoji right. is, the, is the start of miso, start of soy, it's the start of everything. Um, okay. But we found this, uh, but it, it's high in starch and sugar because it's rice-based. It's um, it's koji rice. So there's a company in Japan that have um, distilled it so it doesn't burn. And it, they put it in liquid form. So I had the idea, we put it in a turkey. Turkey crown for Christmas. We put it in there. And I, and I, I can honestly say it's about flavor for me. Uh, that product mm-hmm. is about, I mean, it's, it's everybody's got a turkey crown. It's just a turkey crown. And we, we've tried many. We've put oranges and lemons and truffle butter and you know and we brined it and we've done this and everything else yeah. but putting the koji in the brine and four years later it's still there it's still selling really well and it keeps right. getting up every year and it's won a few awards and i just it's not it's not the most exciting product in the world and it only comes around once a year but actually just having that spark of idea to go uh, it's funny. So I, I found Koji. We made it here, and then two days later, once it came in, and we were tasting it, going, "This is just amazing." The su- right. the the supplier walked in and went, "Oh, we make that from Japan," and we're like, "I'll have that. Thank you very much." <laughs> and we did some right. trials on it, and 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 we got this. Um, um, and I think amazingly moist, tasty, delicious turkey that you wouldn't even know the Koji's in there because you shouldn't. Right. It's just 
It, and Turkey needs all the help it can get. And that, that to me, is a, is a really simple example of someone challenges you to do stuff and then you find something and then you implement it in a way that people actually don't know it's there, but it's, it delivers what you need it to deliver, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I could have named yeah. a few showy ones where different, you know, like our, what do you call it, our um, smash dessert that we did where you poured the hot chocolate on, it looked like a snowflake. And I mean, we did, we've done some great stuff, but yeah. actually that to me, I, I am, so, because the snowflake's gone, and the turkey's still there. Yeah. You, yeah, you know, no, and that, it's yeah. that longevity thing. And, and, that, yeah. and that little salad from 10, 12 years ago is still going strong. But yeah. yeah. No, so that's probably, that, that's that's my favorite product. Very good. So we've we, we've kind of, we've, we've covered a fair few topics now. As, as we close, we're going to try and close on a, on a positive note because we've, we've tried to, we've, we've looked at some areas where we think the sector can improve. Um, what, what, you know, what do you think the innovation sector does brilliantly that's just not necessarily kind of understood externally or, or talked about uh, very much? Um, I, I, I think when you see a simple product on shelf, I don't actually think you, I don't think customers, and, and why should they? I don't think customers know the amount of effort and research and time that goes into finding that yeah. product. And it's not just about the people in retail, it's the people in manufacturing, it's the people at Viper, it's the people at the food, and I'll mention the food people and and, and blah, blah, yeah. blah. It's, there's a whole number, there's a whole industry of people who actually influence that final product. And I, and I, mm-hmm. and, and I don't think, I don't, I mean, the retailers get credit for it, but actually manufacturing, um, Viper, food people, all these guys, you know, influence what you're kind of going to do at the end of it. And, and, I, and I don't think just a customer looking at a humble product on shelf doesn't see, doesn't, I don't think they get the recognition because, and I don't think they see that actually there's probably been a hundred people touch that product before it gets mm-hmm. on the shelf. And someone was thinking about it 12 months previous because they're thinking yeah. 12 months previous, what are you going to buy next summer or next Christmas or next Halloween or next January when you've overdone it and you want to go on a diet? So, you know, the the, the, the minds, I, I, I think the customer just goes, oh, that's pound fifty, great. You know, yeah. oh, it's tasty, or I'm not buying that again. But actually, there's a, I don't think the industry gets enough plaudit for the amount of effort and work that goes into it uh, goes into just one product, yeah, especially sure. manufacturing. To be fair, especially manufacturing. Yeah, which very much sits in the background, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. And, and the suppliers into manufacturing as well. You know, the third-party yeah, suppliers. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the, these guys are kind of. We're asking the, the manufacturers to do it, and then the manufacturers just going out and ask their suppliers to kind of find products and find things so they can land what we've asked them to land. So there's a whole industry behind it. So I think what, what they do is, or what the, what the industry does is um, is a very joined up and a very collaborative way, and I don't think customers see that, to be fair. I think mm-hmm. they just think yeah. it's someone in a kitchen making it up and putting it in a pot, Yeah, which it clearly yeah, is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Very good. Well, unfortunately, David, we have uh, run out of time. It's been a fascinating discussion. Um, thank you very much for giving up your time, first of all. Um, That's quite all right. That's yeah. Quite all right. I enjoy every time you and I discuss the, the industry. <laughs> There's always some, some very good views uh, exchanged. So, uh, <laughs> David, thank you very much indeed. I think you, I think, I think you enjoy um, 
other times than we get together, Ben. I don't think it's just these times. <laughs> I think it's the other. I think it's more of the time when we're sitting in the pub talking about the very same thing. To be fair, which is about when indeed. you think about indeed. it. <laughs> but yeah, but no, thank you for having right. me. Um, I, I, I really, I, I really appreciate, it. and and you know, and I, I, I'm glad I could um come and see you today and have a chat. And you could um oh, hopefully, I mean, when you said it was very um very insightful, I'm I'm not so sure about that, but yeah. Thank you very we'll much. Let the listeners anyway. judge, but <laughs> yeah, thank you, David. Yeah. Thank you for your time, and, and and thank you for the listeners to give giving up their time for the uh, another episode of the Innovate Podcast. We'll uh, see you on the next episode. Thank you very much. Right. Brilliant. Thanks, Ben. Thank you.